This is Leo Doctorman, and I would like to welcome you to this special episode of The Investment Club. Let me just say, these past few weeks have gotten real weird, and we have a lot to talk about. So let's get right into it, and let's see what lessons can be learned from the big squeeze. Within recent history, we haven't really seen a story that has approached such magnitude and importance to normal retail investors like you or me, such as it has for the recent GameStop happenings. And a lot has happened, and that's what I'm going to be talking with you about today, because I do think that this changes quite a bit. Uh, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that Wall Street bets, quote-unquote, went to war with the hedge funds, and, you know, these retail investors banded together to take down these seemingly untouchable massive funds, and in some ways, they might have claimed victory. I cannot express to you how exceptionally strange this whole situation is, and in a lot of ways, it changes everything, because this is bigger than GameStop. This is one of the first coordinated movements of normal retail investors on such a massive scale. With iron wills and diamond hands and a fair amount of lovable stupidity, Wall Street Bets has shown that when they are coordinating, they are quite unstoppable. And for better or worse, that's true of all retail investors. There are many ethical and pragmatic implications to all of this, so let's get into it. And... First of all, I just want to talk about what happened. And there's a decent amount of information that has diffused through the media, and you've probably heard a lot of buzzwords, so I'm going to try to disseminate that for you and help you figure out what is actually going on here. Um, and the first disclaimer I would like to make on this is, uh, while this a process that we know is a short squeeze, and that's what we are going to be referring to throughout this episode, uh, while that is something that can happen, uh, it, it involved a fair amount of luck, and it involved a fair amount of cogs to fall into place for GME to go up as much as it did. So that's the disclaimer here. This is not something that happens every day. So as I said, GameStop, or GME as I can refer to it as its ticker symbol, it is uh, it experienced what is referred to as a short squeeze, and ultimately this was a very unique short squeeze uh, just in terms of its size and scale, and I think that this can generally be attributed to the social movement behind it, it can be attributed to the level of shorting that was taking place on the stock, uh, I think it could also be attributed to how well coordinated the buying patterns were on GME, and that is not something that happens every day. Uh, but first, we have to understand what a short squeeze is, so let me help you break it down. For those that don't know, a short in and of itself is effectively a way to bet against the price of a company. You make money when the stock price decreases, and uh, the mechanism for accomplishing that is virtually, uh, it is, a, you borrow the stock from a platform, you know, whatever trading platform you are with, you borrow the stock from them, you then sell it immediately and collect those profits, and then you simply promise that you'll give back 
the same amount of shares to the platform after a set amount of time. So if you think about it conceptually, you have now um, been loaned a share, you sold it, you now have a pile of money, you are going to rebuy those same amount of shares and give it back to them in the future. If the stock price has decreased, you now have a net amount of that pile of money to keep for yourself because you are buying the same amount of shares, but that same amount of shares is valued as less if the stock price has gone down. So if the stock price goes down effectively, you have borrowed the share for a higher price and you keep the difference. You have now made money by the stock price decreasing. It's a mechanism to bet on the market or a stock falling. And in the context of GameStop, a lot of people were doing this, and, and not just a lot in terms of uh, shorting, but a massive amount of people were shorting the stock. And not just people, but hedge funds. In fact, some of the largest hedge funds in America were betting against GameStop. And, uh, you know, the name you might have uh, heard thrown around quite often is Melvin Capital. They definitely got the the, the worst brunt of this short squeeze as they had a massive amount of their portfolio uh, in, in shorting uh, GameStop. And many others you might not have heard of have contributed to this. In fact, a lot of retail investors were shorting GameStop as well. And effectively, a massive amount of GME's shares were being shorted. That is, you know, the entire premise of how this started off. And Generally, I think the reason why that is, is it represented a deep and general distaste for the company. And there's plenty of good reasons why this is. And right here, I'd like to make a little bit of an admission. Uh, I had researched and debated a potential short squeeze on GameStop about three months ago, when it was, you know, in the $10 to $15 range, if I remember correctly. And I was very vocally against it, and I did not think it would happen, and, uh, you know, I, I participate in a, a stock trading forum, you know, it's like social media stock trading thing, it's called Stock Twits, I have an account on there, I was very vocally against the people that were saying that there was going to be a short squeeze, and people were calling this months ago, and I was wrong, and I was vocally against it, and I was wrong, and for me and everyone else, who said that it would never happen, it made a lot of sense to believe that the shorts would win in this instance, because those shorts weren't just sh shorting for the, you know, the sake of killing GameStop. It is a genuinely uh, failing company. GameStop has been in a state of decline for years. The market trends have been changing around how video games are sold and purchased, and, you know, questions about whether there's even a market in the future for games on discs, and you know, that has never really allowed the company to adapt in a sustainable way that will ensure that they will exist in the future. You know, newer games only allow themselves to even be played on one gaming system, so, and because they encrypt themselves, so that means you can't necessarily uh, re even have a market for reselling things. And this entire trend of the changing gaming market has destroyed GameStop's model and it has crippled their business. They've closed dozens of locations, they've watched sales drop, and their stock price ultimately has plummeted due to this. Um, you know, there's obviously been talks of them incorporating new parts of their business, 
uh, model, you know, incorporating new things in their business models, such as gaming, computer creation, and, you know, more online sales. But unfortunately, their trend has been eerily similar to Blockbuster. And, you know, ultimately, they very might well go the direction of Blockbuster. I think it's going to happen within the next decade. But somehow, the stock still managed to run up 1,500% into about $500, making, you know, millionaires, uh, but also stealing life savings on the way down. And this is the classic short squeeze. On a massive scale, you see all it takes is a spark. And all it took was a lot of people to get on the same page at the same time, and it took a lot of luck for that to happen. And you know, a lot of retail investors started buying GameStop. A lot of them started realizing the potential due to the massive amount of individuals shorting it. And the follow-on of Wall Street Bets, you know, this Reddit forum of traders who engage in, you know, somewhat ridiculous discussions about throwing their money at ridiculous things, but sometimes make a lot of money. That you know, this this follow-on by Wall Street bets and Reddit traders pushed the stock a lot higher, and this is where the magic happened. This is how the short squeeze took place. When massive hedge funds like Melvin Capital had to, you know, quote unquote, cover their shorts, uh, you know, the process of shorting where you have to buy uh you know, and give back the shares, the, the share prices were higher. So this, in turn, made Melvin Capital, you know, buy at a slightly higher price than they had originally bought the stock for, because Wall Street bets and a lot of retail investors were investing a lot of money into it and driving the price just a little bit higher. But now, here's where the magic happens. Melvin Capital has to cover their shorts, start buying them to return them. So they've just bought a, a, a massive amount of shares for a much higher price, and this effectively artificially drove the price up on, uh, on you know, when the massive hedge fund was forced to buy hundreds of thousands of shares. And this similar trend uh, has created a sort of snowballing effect where, you know, you keep driving the price higher, shorts have to keep covering, and this is how it got so high, and this is all because such a large percentage of the shares were, were being shorted. This initial leap fueled the hype and got people so excited, and as this process continued, it formed, you know, a $500 bubble of stock worth about $20, and this has massive implications. You see, this really does show the power of retail investors. Retail investors, or people like you or me, have the weakness of being uncoordinated in ways that mutual funds and hedge funds don't really suffer from. Because they have a strategy, they have a, a you know, direction that they're going, but retail investors are disconnected, they're all doing their own thing, and while trends are created because of common emotions among investors and common ideologies about what companies are good or bad, that is not to say that this requires any sort of coordinated plan of action. It simply means that there are ships passing in the night getting to the same place. And on a small scale, Wall Street bets and other platforms, you know, such as StockTwits, as I told you about earlier, have proven that coordination on some level is possible. 
And once this coordination happens on a small scale and media hype happens, then you get people who might not be re investing on a regular basis investing their money, and it creates this absolute snowballing effect. Wall Street Bets, Stock Twits, all of these media groups, they, they set a common goal. They really went in with the intent to accomplish this fabled short squeeze. And you can see this in how people were talking about this well before it ever happened. They were calling it, uh, potentially, they, they referred to it as the mother of all short squeezes. And of course, I was I, I said it would not happen, and it did happen. Uh, they, they did accomplish their goal on quite a massive scale. And you know, a secondary goal and a noble goal of all of this is that they really wanted to punish hedge funds who don't really play by the rules that retail investor investors have to. And, you know, the entire narrative of this movement was really taking from the rich and giving to the poor. It was a narrative of sticking it to the man. It was a narrative of retail investors banding together and fighting the big guy. And I think there is a harrowing message behind all of that. And I think that insofar is that not only drove the growth, but it became a rallying point for a lot of retail investors as a whole. And this is not to say that Wall Street bets did this and pulled this off alone. And I think that there's plenty of evidence that they were certainly not alone. But it does say that they were the most vocal and they have gotten the most media attention because this is really their narrative. They truly believe in, you know, trying to punish these hedge funds as much as possible. And they've really shown that in the way that they are not selling a lot of them. And even if they've lost money, they are not selling and they are holding with the intent of sticking it to these hedge funds even if it loses their personal money. And... This is, of course, a ridiculous trading strategy and a troubling trend, but it is also very respectable. And, you know, I say it's not Wall Street bets insofar as we can look at how the daily volume has shifted to nearly at its peak 200 million. And when I say daily volume, of course, I'm referring to how many shares get traded on a daily basis. It, it shifted to 200 million uh, from an average of, you know, typically below even 10 million. And you have to keep in mind that by the point this 200 million happened, the stock was already multiple times larger than it was for that low average. And this tells me that there was, you know, we can sort of look into the psychology of what this might tell us about what people were thinking. It says that even though the stock was driven higher, more people thought that there was higher upside from that higher price. And that is why you know, 20 times more shares were purchased for a higher price because that hype and that narrative was so incredibly potent and powerful. There were vast amounts of money flowing in, and indeed, the hedge funds were punished. Melvin Capital lost 50% of its value, and that is massive. That is massive. We have not seen a retail movement stick it to somebody like that so much in a long, long time. And, you know, what else can this tell us? It really, I think this overall trend delegitimizes real investing. And this is what is so troubling to me. I, and you know this, I always talk about buying winners, buying quality, buying the best company the market has to offer. And by any measure, GameStop is not that. And we've seen, uh, you know, other attempts to reach 
uh, a short squeeze on other companies such as AMC, uh, BlackBerry, uh, Nokia. AMC is not by any measure a winner. BlackBerry is probably not a winner. Nokia might not be a winner. Losers are winning right now, and we have to figure out why this is and if we can leverage it to make money. I think it says something about the market. This is what happens when technicalities of the market and the pure will to exploit these technicalities outweigh the benefits of searching for winners. You see, individuals will always... Uh, you know, put in the effort they believe is necessary to make the most money for themselves. Investing is a transaction of converting your time and energy into making money with uh, stocks. But now it seems, at least in this short-term perspective, that it's incorrect. You can make more money searching for losers who are getting shorted a lot rather than searching for winners who are going to uh, non-artificially, you know, naturally increase their value over a period of time. Short squeezes are incredibly fast at making you money, while legitimate growth is inherently slow because becoming a winner over time and growing value in a legitimate fashion is something that does not happen overnight. And thus comes the problem with this trend. It's probably over. I don't think we're going to see more short squeezes like this. Wall Street bets overzealous ways means a lot of them destroyed most of the money they made. You see, picking winners is going to, for all intents and purposes, work 100% of the time, and obviously, you know, losses come when the subjectivities of what a winner is is coming into question, but if you pick a truly winning company, you will make money. I don't know how much money, but you will make money, I, in my opinion. Betting on short squeezes is something that is pretty once in a lifetime. Now, this is not to say I do not support the movement that has taken place here. In fact, I think it's pretty cool. I think it is a powerful form of market activism, but I would say that in by any measure, GameStop is an outlier, not a trend. In addition, I think that there is a lot of ethical implications to the narrative behind Wall Street bets and uh, what it attempted to accomplish, both good and bad. I've already told you I support their narrative of market activism, but I think that the intrinsic flaw in what they were, uh, you know, telling new investors to do uh, proves a lot of my points. Their, their stubbornness, their stubbornness overall is deeply respectable, but also shockingly disturbing. Caught up in the hype, many individuals who might not have had any trading experience were called to action and had well averages well over three to four hundred. A lot of them based simply on the massively incorrect and and frankly asinine predictions coming from Wall Street bets of, of it going to a thousand dollars. Many lost their life savings. Many destroyed their massive winnings. Many people are going to be forced to hold the stock for years to come till it, in my opinion, inevitably goes bankrupt. That money is gone. Wall Street Bets has shown us great power, but also great hubris and an excessive pushing of luck to the point where they tricked a lot of people to buy into an impossible dream, pushing them away from 
the intrinsic good of picking winners and instead trying to seek out the uh, potential uh, increase of valuation in the face of exceptional failure, truly. And I think that there are ethical problems for that. How many people do you have to drag into your losing fight to prove a point? How many people do you have to dupe into a terrible system to, you know, stick it to these hedge funds? This is to say that I think everything they did was correct except, you know, talking about getting out of stocks and talking about, uh, you know, averaging down and talking about the ways that you can leverage winnings in a way that is based on reality rather than, you know, massively overhyped potentiations of the future that I don't think are necessarily going to happen at all. Wall Street Bets has never tried to educate people on reality. In fact, I think that they, they take a lot of pride in the way that they are careless with their money. And uh, naturally, we are all individual people. I cannot inherently blame Wall Street bets for people who have lost their life savings or are stuck, uh, quote-unquote, bag-holding with these uh, shares. I can't blame them. People make their own bad decisions. But I think that their narratives could have done a lot of good, too. And I think that to accomplish their strategies of bringing money into the pockets of individuals who need it rather than hedge funds then a lot more good could have been done with a focus on realism. That's sort of my ethical take of all of this. And of course, this is also not to say that Wall Street Bets is a homogenous, you know, monolithic, singular individual. It's a, a collaboration of a lot of different people making posts, but, you know, it's uh, inherently it's inherently a uh, feedback loop. It's a... Uh, polarized space where people upvote what they want to hear. You want to hear that it's going to a 1,000, you're going to upvote that the most. It's sort of an economy of hype where the biggest hype gets invested in the most, and that's slightly problematic, and I think that it has ethical implications in how this was carried out. It was all about fighting the hedge funds. I truly believe that there is merit in the way that the narrative was less about making money and more about punishing the hedge funds, but it is also deeply concerning on the level that, you know, it can hurt the individuals who are fighting this so-called war. And the funds have been punished, and they will be punished, punished, and these effects will be seen for years, but... I would also say that perhaps Wall Street Bet's greed doesn't seem so greedy when many gave it all up for this movement. In fact, I don't know if this is greed at all or rather buying into some inconceivable fantasy. I think that there's a lot of confusion. I think that there is a lot of uh, narratives created in this space that are generally based on hopes and a idealized reality rather than truth. So I would not call them greedy. I think it's hubris. I don't think it's greed. I think that it might just be the delusion of the $1,000 GameStop, but let's give them the benefit of the doubt. I would say that, frankly, 
investigations by the SEC or the Treasury or any other group, Congress, whatnot, into Wall Street bets. And threats against them are absolutely asinine, uncalled for, and uh, destructive, Destruct, truly destructive. Because one thing that is clear is that the stock market is and is something that should be deeply regulated. Uh, but then again, squeezing shorts is part of the game. This is not an individual space that deserves any sort of regulation. Uh, I, in my opinion, uh, squeezing of shorts is an inherent risk because just as you can uh, go long on a stock, you know, invest in a stock that you think is going to increase and it can lose, you know, 50% of its value the next day, the same way you can uh, try to short a stock and it can go up 50% the next day, uh, whatever the reason might be. Uh, I do not see how a coordinated effort to squeeze shorts uh, is in and of itself an illegal act. And it's not something that should be regulated, because if you think about the mechanism of it, all it is is shorts making the decision to cover their uh, their investments, to cover their shorts. And that is what uh, creates the squeeze. So it would be inherently incorrect to say that there is a need to regulate the space, in my opinion. And I doubt many regulations will, in fact, come from this. Uh, and... I think an interesting lesson we can learn here is that investing activism is something that is on the rise. Because, as we all know, a lot of people love GameStop. It was part of a lot of our childhoods. It was a part of my childhood. And to see hedge funds circle it like vultures, punishing it for existing, it, it is intensely satisfying. To see these millennials and Gen Z folks who grew up with it rally to save it. And they really voted with their money and they made a statement and to silence it would be hypocritical in the face of how much hedge funds get away with on a daily basis and how much uh, manipulative control they have over stocks and uh, valuations of stocks and investments as a whole. So this investment activism to me is something that is, uh, is fair game. What is not fair game uh, truly not fair game is Robinhood and uh, uh, various other brokerage firms blocking the sales of GameStop stock and AMC stock. And this is truly where I think that the problems come out. No, there are not any regulations, and no, there should not be any, but Robinhood and other trading platforms took it into their own hands and i think it is an awful look for them uh for in and so pretty much what happened if you haven't heard is robin hood e-trade a few others they either uh, eliminated the ability to purchase gamestop stock in its entirety or they vastly limited how many shares you could buy uh, at any given period of time and this is problematic uh, you know, when you think about Robinhood, perhaps in their instance, they might not have the finances on hand to handle this. Um, and this is why I would say if you're on Robinhood, it's time to get off. Robinhood is, it is in my opinion, it, it gamifies the uh, it gamifies investment. It, uh, it's incredibly accessible, but in my opinion, it's also unstable and unethical. And 
has various problems in the way that it operates. I think that everybody should disassociate with Robinhood, and a lot of individuals are. Uh, but, you know, companies like E-Trade have left me severely disappointed, and I utilize E-Trade, and no, I was not purchasing these particular stocks like uh, like uh, GameStop and uh, AMC, but it is deeply disappointing. And what these companies say is, you know, they make an argument that <laughs> this is to control potential losses and protect people, but on by any measure, that is not their job. Platforms are a tool that people should be able to utilize in any way they choose. This is, you know, the same way that a judge will enforce a terrible contract so long as it is legally sound. It is not the job of platforms to legislate on what we can and can't do with our money. What it should be doing is it should educate. It should warn of risks. But it should not, any under any circumstance, restrict the purchasing of certain equities uh, or securities. In my, 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 in my opinion, all that that can accomplish uh, is uh, they, they act as their own regulators. Uh, I, do not I do not think that's fair. I think that it was very clear what side they chose in uh, the retail versus hedge fund uh, battle, and I think that it is a bad look for them. Well, with all of this said, what can we take out of this? What should you do with this, this entire narrative, this entire story and saga? What should you do with it as a smart trader? Are winners even still winners? Yes, of course they are. But there is always that minute hope that a loser might make it big if the stars align. And a lot of times when that happens, when the stars do align, it's really, really big. That is why I would encourage you to continue focusing on trading smart, but educate yourself about market practices like shorting and Sometimes you can build opportunities out of rubble. I will never think harshly of or be critical of individuals who made a lot of money off of GameStop. I think that, uh, you know, good for them. But I would argue at the very least that GameStop was probably more of a winner in the end than shorts were giving it credit for. And they got punished for that. So even in this instance, the, the sort of metric of failure that was being applied to GameStop is, was probably a little premature for how much it was being shorted. So maybe they got what they deserved. But the important thing is to keep picking winners for the future, to pick the best stocks possible, and truly GameStop is not that. Uh, beyond, you know, a potential short squeeze, or, you know, if you really want to attempt to, uh, you know, time sort of a pump of a stock, there's really only one way to win in the stock market, in my opinion. That is to pick the best stocks possible. Be smart and do your research. You know, getting swept up in the hype can lose you just as much money as it gains you. And this uh, example is so incredibly clear with that message, with uh, people doubling their life savings and losing it all in the period of a few days. As... Uh, GameStop stock surged and then declined just as fast as it had surged. But 
indeed, this will forever change how we look at activist investing, but it should not change the way that you invest in most instances. What can I say other than this is an incredibly interesting happening in the stock market, and I truly think it will have long-term implications. I think, at the very least, it gives us a narrative about what retail traders can accomplish, whether or not uh, it is potentially a good idea or whether or not it is potentially a a financially sound decision. That is not for me to... uh, know, uh, serve judgment on. But at the end of the day, uh, it is something to study, it is something to acknowledge, and it is certainly something to be proud of if you are part of it. And with that said, I will uh, conclude this special episode of the Investment Club. I thank you very much for joining me on this uh, slightly longer-than-usual episode. I hope it gave you some good context of uh, what went down and uh, potentially might inform how you think about things in the future if an instance like this was to happen again. Please share with friends and family. I always appreciate the support. I was really happy with uh, how many views we were getting on the uh, first season, and I hope the podcast continues to uh, grow. And as always, get out there and make some money.